Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. So we're on this series called The Secret Sauce. The Secret Sauce of the Christian Life called Prayer and Fasting. So if you got your worship guides, you can pull out some sermon notes. They're located in there. Also, you get your Bibles out. Get your YouVersion Bible app open. You can get some sermon notes out of there if you'd like. But every time we open the Bible, we're expecting God to speak to us. He's speaking life to us. His word is life to those who find it and health to all their flesh. So every time we say, let's get out our Bibles, we get excited. So if you've got them today, let's open them up to Matthew chapter 6. Woo! Woo! Come on, somebody. Matthew chapter 6. Secret sauce. Prayer and fasting. If you're there... I'm going to start reading in verse 5. Are you ready this morning? I'll wait for the others. We don't have time. We've got to go. I've got a lot to say. I'm on the clock, people. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. Jump down to verse 16. It says, Moreover, when you fast... Do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who sees in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word today. We just pray, Holy Spirit, you come. Bring life to it, bring revelation, bring understanding. Lord, I pray I'll speak with clarity and that we will connect with what you want us to connect with today. Lord, I pray that you will open our eyes to see the things you want us to see today. We give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. Here's what we see here in the scriptures of Matthew chapter 6, talking about the secret sauce of prayer and, pray and fasting. It says, when you pray, in verse 6, and when you fast, in verse 16. If Jesus is telling us how to do these things, then he's also telling us there's an importance that we do these things. If he says, when you pray, and then he tells you how to pray, and we'll talk about that. If he says, when you fast, and then he tells you how to fast, then that's telling us that it's pretty important to Jesus that we do those two things. So if you don't know about those two things, if you never heard about those two things, or you don't know much about them, today I hope that you'll understand a little bit more about it today. Today we're going to talk about a couple things. So I'm just going to touch on fasting briefly, and then we're going to talk about prayer mostly. I'm going to give you a couple basic principles in building prayer. Over the next few weeks, we're going to break down the basics of prayer. If you've ever been intimidated by prayer, I encourage you to come. If you know someone who has trouble praying, tell them to come, invite them, because we're going to break down all the fundamentals in prayer and help you walk that out. You can also get some help. We're having a, uh, a short-term group meeting on Monday nights coming up this month that uh, Sue Dismay is going to be helping and teaching in prayer, so you can be a part of that 
as well. But let's look at fasting first. Last week, we introduced this subject, just abstaining from food for a spiritual purpose. A friend of mine sent this quote to me. Fasting is denying yourself something temporal and ordinary in order to experience the one who is eternally extraordinary. Fasting is something we do, and again, we're on the day five of our prayer and fasting time, and whatever you're doing, whatever extent you're praying and fasting, that's between you and God. I'm just encouraging you, keep leaning into Him, that it's giving up something ordinary, temporal, to pursue something extraordinary, to pursue something spiritual. So it's not just I'm doing without, I'm adding to. Again, we talked about that a little bit last week, but on our website, I want to give you a, a tip, a tool that we've made available. Jensen Franklin wrote a 21-day fasting devotional, and we put the link of that on our website. You can find it there. But here's one thing he said on that. Fasting is not for the strong. Fasting is for the weak. Fasting is for the ordinary people who realize that they desperately need God in their life. That's who fasting is for. I encourage you to begin this journey. If you've never fasted before, or if you're a veteran faster, or you've fasted many times, I'm excited about what God will do on this journey if you step up and say, here's the words that are key, God, I want you, and I'm coming after you in prayer and fasting. I'm not leaving sugar behind. I'm pursuing something greater. I'm not leaving food or whatever behind. I'm pursuing something greater. I'm coming after you, God. Look out. Here I come. That's got to be our heart in prayer and fasting. We're pursuing something, not just what do I got to quit? What am I giving up? It's who we're going after. So I hope you get that heart. There's uh, some things provide in fasting provides both a spiritual and natural benefit. Here's some natural benefits to fasting. I'm no doctor, but here's some things that I've done some reading on and I've even experienced my life. Fasting cleans, cleans your body. If you are fasting, I encourage you to drink plenty of water. Drink lots of water. It helps, helps the process. It uh, helps get rid of body, uh, gets rid of toxins in your body. It will sharpen your mental process. It will help you be more alert and more aware. Now, that's sometimes after some initial grogginess. If you've never fasted before, when you first start fasting, a lot of times you're going to feel run down and groggy, and I need some food right now. That's usually your body eliminating some things that you've been depending on for energy. So just you know, pray about that. and Pray if you're doing that. Push through that, and God's going to bring some alertness and some awareness to you if you're wanting to do that. Just again, just practical tips if you want to do that. Here's some signs of fast is working in your life. Headaches. If you're experiencing headaches, it's probably because your fast is working. It's your body, again, going through some withdrawals, weakness, run-down feelings. But those headaches will often leave, and uh, the the impurities and the poisons the body has. If you have some health concerns, consult your physician. I'd love to go into basics, some some of the nuts and bolts of fasting, uh, what fasting has done in my life and how it's helped me spiritually and physically. There's lots of things practically to it, but I don't want ever people to feel like they have to do a certain thing. We provide you an opportunity for prayer and fasting. What you do with it is between you and God. Are we okay with that? So I don't want any guilt and condemnation. I don't want any competition. You know, I don't want anybody trying to beat anybody in fasting. There's no, there's no, I'm doing a better fast. That's not what it's about. It's connecting your heart with Jesus. Okay, that's the heart behind it. So that's a little bit about fasting. But today I want to talk about, oh, let me give you one other quote. I thought it was really good. Lisa Bevere said this, a diet changes the way you look, but fasting changes the way you see. Fasting is not as much about desiring self as it is about indulging in God. I like that. A diet can change the way you look physically, but fasting changes the way you see. 
Changes the way you see things. That's what we're after. We're wanting to see it from a different perspective. Jensen Franklin says this also in that devotional. I know of no other spiritual discipline, no other spiritual discipline that sharpens the heart and soul of a believer more than fasting. Fasting is sharpening the axe. If you're not careful, you'll be trying to cut down trees with an axe handle that doesn't have an edge on the axe. Fasting is making the edge sharp so it can do a greater work. So I encourage you, if you never fasted before, jump in with us at some point. Maybe uh, over these next three days, pick three days and say, I'm going to do some fasting over that time. Just take a little bit of time and just step into it and let God lead you. But I want to talk about prayer today. I want to give you two basic principles of establishing prayer in our lives. If we don't have, let me say it this way, if we don't create a prayer life, we will never have a prayer life. One of those that I didn't used to have a consistent prayer life, I prayed like any Christian, like, you know, once in a while when I should, and over my food, and, you know, pray all the time. But I, I want to talk to you about establishing a prayer life. And again, this isn't for everybody to do it the exact same way. I'm just going to give you some basic principles. Here's the first principle. Number one, set a time and a place. Set a time and a place. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about one consistent. You can pray all day. But I'm talking about at least one time a day, set a time and place. This is talking about when and where that you meet with God. It doesn't have to be at any exact time, but set a time. It's like make an appointment with God and keep it. Set an appointment, say, okay, at this time, every day we're going to meet. And you show up. Be faithful. If you want him to show up, you show up. He's going to keep his appointments, but will we? So set a time and a place. Notice what it says here in Matthew chapter 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room. When you've shut your door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place. Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Establish a time and a place where you meet with God. The duration is up to you. Doesn't have to be for an hour. Doesn't have to be for whatever. But set a time and place where you get up. Maybe in your chair. Maybe in the basement. Maybe upstairs. Maybe in a room. I don't know where it is. Maybe it's in a closet. In a literal room where you can go and shut your door, but set a time where you can get alone with God, just you and Him. Even if it's for 15 minutes, start out with that. Start out with that. Set a time and a place. It's the first part of developing prayer. We have to keep an appointment. Jesus did this. Here's what He says in Matthew 14, 23, or speaking of Jesus, I should say. When He had sent the multitudes away, He went up on the mountain by Himself to pray. Now when evening had come, had came, he was alone there. Mark 1, 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight. Whoo, somebody just received that conviction right there. <laughs> a long while before daylight. He went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Notice the pattern. This is Jesus, what he did with his relationship with the Father. Psalm 63, 1 says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. You don't have to set your time of prayer with God as in every morning, but I encourage you, do at least something first thing. And we'll talk about the importance of that. But I believe early in the morning, again, I believe in giving God our first. So when you wake up, I encourage you, give God first of your day. Mark 6, 46, and, G and when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. Notice what Jesus do. He went to get alone. Get alone. When's the last time you were alone with God? When's the last time you didn't have your phone in your hand, TV in front of you on, people talking? Set them aside. Don't take your phone into your prayer room. That's why I encourage you. Don't have your prayer, devotional, and everything on your phone. 
you can, I've, I've got a devotional guide that I follow on my phone, but I only click when I'm done with it, but I don't read from it. Because if I read from it, guess what I can get? Notifications popping up. I can get distractions. I can, somebody can text me. Even if I'm praying early in the morning, sometimes I get a text message. I'm like, oh, what's that? But if I set my phone, I literally go outside the door, and I shut the door, and I put my phone on the other side of the door, and I shut the door, and then I pray. And then when I'm done with my devotion time, then I go on and I mark completed on my phone, but I don't read off of it. Just a tip. I just don't want the distraction. You know, I don't, want to, I don't want to see what the score was last night or anything like that. I can see that later. So trying to withdraw, look what Luke 5, 16 says. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Luke 6, 12. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. So Jesus got alone to pray. So I encourage you, get alone to pray. Just develop a time. Set a time and place. Now what are the benefits of it? You're like, Chad, why... Why do I need to do that? Let's look at Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. This is Jesus in the garden. He's with the disciples. Why should I set aside time to pray with God every day? Let me find Matthew 26. Sorry, taking a while to get there. Do, 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 do. There we go. Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus came with him to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to the disciples, set here while I go pray over there. Notice what he, he's setting a time and a place. He's getting alone. He's not even praying with him. You guys stay here. I'm going to go over there. It says he took with him Peter and, and two sons. Zebedee just jumped down, jumped down to uh, verse 40. Then he came to the disciples. This after he went and prayed and he came back and he told them to watch and pray with him. Verse 40, then he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So Jesus comes back from praying. He told the disciples, hey, you guys stay here and pray. I'm going to go over here and pray. Now watch, pray with me. So he comes back. They're sleeping. Anybody ever fell asleep praying? Besides me. It happens. Jesus could come and say, hey, Chad, wake up. And so he comes back and they're sleeping. And he says, hey, could you not watch with me one hour? One. One hour. Now, there's a book that was written years ago about praying for an hour. And you may think, pray for an hour? There's no way. Start by just setting aside time. Nobody's saying you have to set the clock and I have to pray for one hour. All we have to do is get a place where we say, God, I'm going to pursue you. Jesus was saying, could you not watch and pray with me? Now, look what happens. Why did they need to do that? Why was Jesus telling them to do that? The word watch just means to be alert, be awake. He says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. That word temptation means to trap or tempt someone, to test with the purpose of producing a failure. So when Jesus said watch and pray, he was not just giving them a rule to follow. He was giving them a strategy to prevent failure. He says, watch and pray lest you enter temptation, or you enter the opportunity to fail. So why do we need to watch and pray? Because Jesus knows what's coming. Jesus knows what's coming when we don't know what's coming. He knows that they're getting ready to show up with torches here in just a moment, and they're going to take him to go crucify him. So he told them, hey, pray so that you won't enter temptation. 
What was going to happen? They're going to come, they're going to take Jesus, and the disciples were going to disperse and abandon Jesus. And Jesus knew that was coming. So he said, you need to watch and pray because the tempter's coming. He's coming. And if you're not ready, you're going to enter into that temptation. So why do we need to pray? Because he's preparing us for what's ahead. Why do I get up and pray that day? Because the tempter's coming that day. It does not mean that the temptation won't come. Notice what he says. Watch and pray lest you enter. It's a different deal. Temptation's going to come in our life. But when we're prayed up and ready, we won't enter into it. We'll see it. We'll go, uh-uh. uh-uh, I'm, not, uh-uh I'm not going there. I've been praying this morning, and God prepared me for that temptation. He prepared me for that thought. He prepared me, prepared me for that coworker. He prepared me for that person to go off in front of my face. He prepared me for that dis- disappointing news that I just got today. He prepared me for that phone call. Oh, it's a tough one to take. But, Lord, I'm not going to enter into that temptation because I've been prepared by prayer. Watch and pray. Why? Because God knows what's coming when we don't. He knows what's going to come. How many times we thought everything was going great in our day, and all of a sudden, bam, one thing can happen. You ever been part of that? One news from a family member, one news from yourself, from a job, all of a sudden, hey, sorry, we're going to have to let you go. That's a pretty tough day. But if we pray, it does not mean those things won't come, but God will prepare us for it so that we'll be able to endure So set a time and a place. Prayer prepares us. Because notice what it says. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Our flesh is not going to be prepared for that. We're not going to be able to handle that. But our spirit is willing. Your spirit, my spirit, it's it's set on go all the time. It's zealous. It's ready. Woohoo! Let's go. Let's serve God. Come on. That's my spirit's ready. But my flesh is like, I don't know whatever sound to make for something weak. <laughs> but you know, we're, we're weak. You're like, I, I want to do the right thing, but, I, but I, I'm tempted to do the wrong thing. I want to do what God tells me to do, but I'm tempted to do this. My, my flesh is weak, but my spirit is strong. So when we pray, we built up our spiritual strength to be prepared for the day that is ahead. That's why you start off your day. Because I, I want to get up and I'll say, God, before I take any social media in, before I take any news in, before I want to take anything, I just want to get to my prayer time with you and I want to hear what you have to say before I hear what everybody else has to say. Because here's the problem. We hear everybody else and then we try to go back and hear God and the influence of everybody else's voices that already tainted our hearts. Get a fresh perspective. The first voice speaking into your life every morning should be God. Should be his word. Just say, okay, Lord, before I get anything from, I'm going to see who, who Snapchatted me overnight. No, you can check that later. See what God has to Snapchat you this morning. See what he has to tweet you this morning. See what he's sending you on a DM. See what he has to put into your heart before you get what other people are saying. Don't taint your heart with the counterfeit news. All right, now let's look at the second one. First one, set a time and a place. That's the what or the where and the when. Let's look at the second one. Pray word-based prayers. Let's deal with the what. So what do we pray? What do we pray? When do we pray? Where do we pray? Set a time and place. I encourage you, start that. Start that. So tomorrow morning, set a time. That, hey, I'm going to get up. If I have to get up 15 minutes earlier, get up 15 minutes earlier. Set a time and a place. You're like, well, can I pray at night? You can if it works better for you. I'm just saying set a time and place. So it's your schedule between you and God. But number two, Base our prayers on God's word, not our desires. One of the biggest discouragement we have in prayer is unanswered prayers. Or it's believing that we're praying and it doesn't matter. It's not going to make any difference. 
How many has ever felt that way? That I prayed and it's not going to matter. So why do I pray? Have you ever heard the term Hail Mary? Somebody throwing a Hail Mary? Well, this term became widespread after 19... I did some research on the word the phrase Hail Mary. 1975 NFL playoff game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> Cowboys. <laughs> Cowboys quarterback Roger Staubach, he threw this winning touchdown pass to his receiver Drew Pearson. And they asked him after the game, said... So what do you think about that last pass? And he said, I quote, I closed my eyes and said a Hail Mary. From that point on, that phrase began to be attached to just long passes or long shots with very little chance to go in. It's just a Hail Mary. But the problem is we've attached that also to prayer. That we think prayer is just a Hail Mary. I don't know. I'll just pray, see what happens. If nothing else, I'll pray. Prayer is the best thing we can do, but we get discouraged because we don't see results. And here's what I want to help you with this. So instead of wondering if God wants to answer the prayers we're praying, we need to focus on praying the prayers he wants to answer. All right, so turn your Bible to 1 John chapter 5. So what do we pray? If you're like, Chad, I don't know what to pray. Let me give you some guidance. This has helped me immensely in my life, and I pray that it will help you. Again, we're just laying the foundation, a little bit of teaching on prayer. 1 John chapter 5. Look at verse 14. What do we pray? We, got, we set a time and a place, number one. Number two, we're going to base our prayers on God's word, not on our desires. So when and where we pray and what we pray. That's what we're establishing today. What do we pray? Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. You, you there? Woo, nobody's there. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Anybody there? Say amen. amen. Okay, just a second. Uh, now, here's what it says. Verse 14. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he... Oh, you're getting there. Let's, let's try it again. If we ask anything according to his will, he, he hears us. And we, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. So notice what it says. Now, this is the confidence. Everybody say confidence. If we want to get confidence in prayer, here's the formula. Here's what the word confidence means. It's not what you think. When we think confidence, I know we think one thing, but here's what the word really means in Scripture. It means a state of boldness and confidence in speech, free or all outspokenness, freedom of speech, frankness or candor. Confidence is not referring to a feeling. Confidence is referring to a state of being or a state of speaking. This is the confidence that we have in him. Not the feeling like I feel confident that this is going to work out the way I want it to. No, 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 that's not what I was talking about. This is the confidence we have in him. In other words, this is the way you talk in prayer when you're in him. That's what the Bible's teaching us. It's teaching us a way to pray and a way to talk, not a way to feel. If we get connected to a way to feel, we'll be discouraged all the time. Don't get connected to a way to feel in prayer because we'll pray like I feel. Sometimes I'm praying, I'm like, I don't even know if it's getting out of this closet. I don't even know if anybody's paying attention. I don't feel anything. It doesn't matter if we feel. This is the confidence that we have in him. So this is talking about the way we speak. Notice what it says. This is the confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So we can speak freely and confidently knowing he hears us because we're asking according to his what? So how can we be freely and confident in prayer and know we're praying the right thing? When we ask according to his... 
So we're wanting to ask according to his will. If I'm going to be confident in prayer, i got to know I'm praying the right thing. And what is according to his will? According to his will is according to his word. The word according to just means in relationship with. So this is the confidence that we have when we are in him. Notice about this, the confidence that we have in him. Notice the confidence is not in us. The confidence that we have in him. In him. As I meditated on that and thought about it, I kept saying that over and over, the confidence that we have in him. First, I thought, you know what, God, my confidence is in you and it's not in me. So I have confidence in you. He says, that's good, but that's not what I'm talking about. (laughs) I'm like, okay, now this is the confidence that we have in him, in you. Man, I'm I'm confident in you. I'm going to speak boldly. He's like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Like, Lord, God, like, you know, kind of tell me what you're talking about here. And he brought this scripture in my mind. And John chapter 15, verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. So when his words abide in us and we ask according to his will, that's what it is. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. So when we are in him, there's a confidence in how we pray. When I am abiding in his words and his words abiding in me, I'm praying differently. I'm confident in him. I'm not confident in Chad. But when I'm in him and his words are abiding, there's a confidence of how I pray. Not a feeling, but what you say. We're praying his word. So look what happens. When we pray his word, what takes place? We don't base our prayers on our desires, he says. And if we know that we, he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. God wants us to pray the word back to him. Reason people don't pray too many times is because they pray what they want and they hope he will give it. That's their model of prayer. They go to God and say, Lord, I just pray that you'll help me get this job I put in my application for. Just pray that you work things out for me. We're praying our desires and hoping he does what we want. Oh, you're too religious for me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Nobody's like that. You know, we pray. How, how, do we pray? how are we basing our prayers? God says, if you want prayers answered, then pray the prayers I want to answer. Don't pray what you want. Pray what I've already promised you. Pray what I've already said. Bring my word back to me. So this is what happens. It says, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we will have the petitions we've asked of him. So now literally what this looks like in a practical standpoint, go to Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1. You there? You know what song that is? All right, just check him. Look what it says here. Verse, um, there's a lot of good verses here in Jeremiah 1. Let's start in verse hmm, 9. Yeah, 9. It says, then the Lord put forth his hand. Touch, or, I just said this. I just said the next word. Freudian. Then the Lord put forth his hand. Watch this part. And touched my what? Wait a minute. This is the confidence. What did confidence have to deal with? Confidence had to deal with frankness of speech. If we're looking for confidence in our feelings in prayer, we're always going to be lacking. Let me encourage you in your prayer life, it's not attached to how you feel. There's days you're going to feel like you're praying the paint off the wall. 
You're going to feel like every demon in hell is scattering the way you're praying. You're going to feel like, bring on the devil, literally. Put him in front of me, and I'll take him out right now. Sometimes you're going to feel like that. Sometimes you're going to wonder if you're even saved. You're going to have thoughts that make me feel, I don't even know why I'm praying. This is a waste of my time. You've got to endure both things, because neither one is the fullness of truth. Both of them are attached to a feeling. So the feeling that I'm not even getting past the ceiling, it's not true. The feeling that I'm praying the paint off the walls, that's not true either. It's from your heart. You're just praying and connecting to God. So notice what he says. He said, I'm touching your mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I put whose words in your mouth? Let's try it again. Behold, whose words have I put in your mouth? Jesus said, "I, I, I put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Now, how how are we going to do that? How are we rooting out and pulling down? How are we destroying and throwing down? How are we building and planting? Is this literal? This is in prayer. When God puts his words in your mouth, this is what you can do to your life. His words coming out of your mouth will root out things that need to be rooted out. His words coming out of your mouth will pull down things that need to be pulled down. It will destroy things that need to be destroyed. Throw down things that need to be destroyed. It will build things in your life that need to be built. You want to build some things of God in your life? Start putting his words in your mouth. It's like planting seed. It'll build them up. It says it'll plant them in there. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. The Lord said to, said to me, you have seen well, for I'm ready to perform whose word? The Lord said to me, you've seen well, for I'm ready to perform whose word? Whose word? Whose word? My word. Whose word's God ready to perform? He's ready to perform my word. He's ready to perform his. He's ready to perform it. So here, let me give you some practical application to this. Prayer. Number one, set a time and a place. Set a time and a place. Number two, pray word-based prayers. You're like, Chad, what should I be praying? You should be praying the Word of God. You've got something you're needing. Let me, let me use, I'm going to use two generic things, and then you can get more specific in your life. If you need wisdom, here's, if you need wisdom to make a decision, let me tell you how I would encourage you to pray for that. Hey, I need some direction, because we all need wisdom. So I picked something kind of generic just to give you a tip, and then you can apply it in specifics. But here's what, what I would say to do. I would get James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. If you need wisdom, I would pull this scripture out. I would open my Bible to James chapter 1. If I'm like, okay, God, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I need wisdom. So I'll go to James chapter 1. It's in here somewhere. These new Bibles, Hebrews, James, these pages. All right, here it is. (laughs) New Bibles, got to love them. Verse 5, you've already got it on the screen, so don't mock me. If you had your Bibles, you'd be turning too. I'm just kidding, just kidding. Look at verse 5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, what? That's me. If, how many of you? Any. Does that include you? Yeah. yeah. Any of you lacks wisdom, what do you do? What? You do what? Really, if you need wisdom, what do you do? Stay up all night and you worry about it. God, what am I going to do? Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. 
I ask everybody, I ask everybody, what do you think I do? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Who does it say? Ask who? How do we ask God? It's called prayer. It's prayer. You just ask God. If anyone needs wisdom, you need wisdom to help you through a test at school, ask God. I'm not talking about if you didn't study. I'm not talking about him giving you answers you didn't study. I'm just talking about you need wisdom on a job decision. Let him ask of God who gives to how many liberally? What? Really? And without reproach, that means he doesn't withhold it. He doesn't hold it back. And it will be given to him. I'm just reading out of the Bible. Anybody need wisdom in your life? You got something going on in your life right now? You need some wisdom? Pull James 1.5 out and say, I need wisdom. Let me ask of God who gives to all liberally. Look at verse 6. But let him ask or he or she, let him ask in faith with no doubting. For those who doubt are like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man or woman suppose that he or she will receive anything from the Lord. He or she is a double-minded person, unstable in all their ways. Notice what happens. So how do we pray? Here's a practical. I'm just trying to give you some practical tips on how to do it. So I'd pull James 1, 5 out, 5 through 8, and I'd say, okay. It says, if I need wisdom, I'm going to ask of God. So when I go to prayer... I don't just say, God, give me wisdom. I read this scripture to him. And I say, Father, you said, you said. I'm just telling you what you said. I'm not making up my own desire. You said, if anyone needs wisdom, ask of you. So here I come. I'm asking you for wisdom on this decision. Now, I'm not going to be wavering. I'm not going to be doubtful. I'm asking in faith, believing that you give to all liberally. So I believe you're going to give it to me. I believe you've given me wisdom, Lord, so I receive it right now by faith in the name of Jesus. I still don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm praying receiving. I'm believing God. I'm trusting Him. I'm thanking you, Lord. This is your word. Now, when I don't know what to do five minutes later, guess what? I bring that scripture back up and I say, Lord, I just thank you that I received wisdom. I received it. I believe I receive when I pray, Mark chapter 11. I receive it now, so I'm praying for that. Another one, maybe you're needing direction in your life. Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. He shall direct your path. These are practical ways for building your prayer life. We're going to go into this next week. We're going to talk about praying boldly. But we cannot pray boldly unless we get these first two steps. So number one, set a time and place. Number two, pray word-based prayers. Pray the word. Pray the word. Maybe you've never been taught how to pray. I, I used to pray this. You know what? God, whatever your will is, that's what I want. And God began to speak to me and say, hey, find out what my will is and pray that back to me. Pray that to me. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? Jeremiah told us that he's watching over his word to perform it. He's not watching over Chad's desires. We'll talk about that. But notice what it says. When his word abides in me and I abide in him, it says, whatever you ask, he will do it for you. So I want to speak to you about setting a practical steps coming up. This prayer and fasting, start tomorrow. I want prayer to be a, a new value in your life. I want to help you with your prayer life. I don't want you to get intimidated by an hour. I want you to start with 15 minutes. So if you would, would you just bow your heads and I want you to set your heart and just commit to say, God, I'm going to give you the first part of my day tomorrow, or I'm going to set aside a time and a place, whether it's the first part, later in the day, whatever that you can set it aside. So right now, just ask God to speak to you about this message. What are you going to take home? 
What's your take home? Maybe it's about fasting. Maybe you're going to step into fasting this week and start over these next three days. You're going to spend some time fasting. Spend some time fasting. Maybe this week you're going to stretch out further than you've ever gone and trust God. Because remember, we're pursuing more of Him. We're not just giving things up. That's not the focal point. People ask me all the time, what am I fasting? I want you to ask me what I'm believing for. What I'm fasting is not a big deal. What I'm believing for is the big deal. What I'm trusting God for is the big deal. Who cares if I can give up some stuff for a few days? I'm believing for miraculous things in 2020. So I'm willing to do whatever it takes to set myself apart to hear his voice clearly. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.